uh, instances where I've been trying no, to sort things out, unfortunately. And you're not very happy about that. What gets up my nose? Yes, we could <laughs> say that because my well, even on that, just what gets up my nose is my um, post office actually closed. And Your so, local agency. So I do not have a local post office. Oh. But then I did discover further up the road that it there has actually moved. Oh, but just okay. into a much smaller premise. Oh, right. Um, but I thought it went out of my field of view for there for a little <laughs> while. And I was like, oh, so much for that P.O. box that was there. Oh, really? Oh. I don't know where it is going now. Oh. I just assume up the road a little bit. Convenient um, as, as you said. <laughs> mm. Not much communication around that, though, oh, no, however. Yes, but yes, well. the post doesn't come every day anymore. So it is trickier to get, a, you know, physical post to people um, unless you're doing parcels. But the um, the post does not yeah. come every day as it used to. So. Well, exactly. I'm old enough to remember when I think that we used to have two deliveries a day. And my late mother, whose um, father, my grandfather, my English grandfather, he was actually postmaster of the town in Blackburn in um, the north of England in uh, Lancashire. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so she was very much um, very keen, a keen writer of letters and all that sort of thing, my mother, and uh, very uh, very pro the postal system. But, um, yeah, of course, in the British system, you know, it used to be was considered one of the world's best, I think, once upon a time. Very personalised. Yes, and uh, the mail, MAI, I must get through, you know, matter rain, hail or shine sort of thing. Um, sadly, uh, we have seen... Um, uh, the services are declining here and the price is going up and that really gets up my nose when you're paying mm. more um, and your service is actually deteriorating. That seems yes. a bit rough to me. Yes, and you can mm. actually order something from the UK and it can arrive sooner than the one that is actually being delivered from a few suburbs away. <laughs> so I've had things delivered from London Really? You know, within a week, yeah, and um, and then other things take longer than that. So it is bizarre. Weeks, so really, really interesting. Um, yes, the UK Post. I'd say that that was obviously a, a winner back then. So much so we had a postman Pat, and a, you know, yes, <laughs> kid shows the after the hero. the friendly hero, the postman. Indeed, yes. So those <laughs> are the days. We it's uh, yeah, we're, um, I think things are being reviewed, and we might actually. Uh, you know, we used to. Well, I have noticed. I don't know whether you noticed too, Nicole, that uh, there are fewer mail deliveries, um, and people. A lot of people, of course, a lot of stuff's done online. I can understand that, but um, there's supposed to be you know delivery every you know every weekday, Monday to Friday. It used to be at the weekend too. And I remember before Christmas there was a special one as well. There was always that. Yes, but not anymore. And um, every that, second day. Yes, that's every second. And I, it might even be even less than that. I'm just mm. starting to think: Are we heading down the track of? Like people in the country areas have to do, they go into town to collect their to pay their post. They don't get a personal delivery. So no. all these things that uh, we've taken for granted, perhaps we're going to have to reappraise. And think, yeah, we have been lucky perhaps to have it for as long as we have. Exactly. It exactly has been a little bit of time there as well. Um, and I think, you know, important important service for many people and particularly the older population yes. as well that um, – you know, live on that and make a connection from that. And exactly. Don't you really feel special when you do receive a letter? As long as it's not a bill. Yeah, that's right. But a <laughs> no, personalised letter. letter. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, you're quite right. Yeah. And uh, people are always talking about, you know, the Christmas cards, even though the electronic greeting's not quite the same. And they okay, yes. I guess you can print it off. But, yeah, if you go into a bit of time and trouble to put pen to paper, as they say. Yes. Um, I think it, it, it is, um, you know, very much appreciated. And, it is. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what gets the us, as I say, um, <laughs> Services deteriorating, prices going up. But what makes my day, um, I guess, are some of the things that uh, we are still f fortunate enough to have. I mean, even, dare I say, um, rubbish collection. Mm. Um, some place, some parts of the country, you've got to go to the tip or recycle place yourself. You do. Mm. You do. There is um, always interest, though, about 
which bin should contain what and yes. the changes around that. That's and true. I know that my actual garbage bin has has halved in size, yes. whereas my recycling and garden bin is still a large bin. So Interesting, um, yes. <laughs> and the rotation of those. So the other two are not every week, but exactly. the other one is. Make sure you get the dates correct. <laughs> yes, exactly. It can be it's, rather frustrating. It gets confusing. It gets confusing. Yeah. No, but I think that's a, a service that we would love to keep up. Indeed. Um, even please, the street sweeper as well. Exactly. All these things, as I say, you notice, um, you know, when, when these things aren't being done um, and you realise what a vital role some of these um, people play and perhaps, uh, as I say, are taken for granted, which mm. they shouldn't be. Well, I was listening to our news just earlier and I think that there might have been a, a little bit of a segment that was a bit outdated, but uh, it was talking about the air show um, oh, this yes. weekend and it actually was last weekend. Just been and gone. The one that's just been and gone mm. and my um, family got along to that. The boys had oh, a right. huge hit out at Avalon, said it was the best day ever. Um, was it packed out? And it was huge. It was Sold out. Oh, wow. And, uh, did they take the train or did they day. drive or did somebody No, drive? they ended up driving but getting out of the uh, – got there nice and early. Oh, good but on them. getting out of it <laughs> was another thing was altogether. almost an hour yeah. just to get out of the car of park course. and then, then get on the freeway. But, but they, um, had they ne- never been before? They had never been oh, before. Oh, um, Have the, you been? I have never been before. No, my partner Joe's been and he's – he has enjoyed it, but he said he, he probably wouldn't go again. He no, said, or maybe I don't not have for a the while. desire to go, mm. but they definitely do, and saw lots of amazing feats, and also got to get up on in person on some of the aircraft oh, there wow. as well. Uh, Korean aircraft, American aircraft, okay. Australian aircraft, old and new, and lots of you know dazzling shows to be mm. had. I think the tip was bring earplugs. Yes. And they didn't have those. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> and maybe a seat. Yes, and maybe uh, a hat or some, some they sunscreen too. They definitely had the hat and the sunscreen oh, on, good. even though oh. still some pink faces came home. Oh, right. It was quite a hot day so um, was, and, and very, very warm. But um, I believe it was a really big hit and, and well attended out there. So, Is it um, once every two years? Of course, since COVID, they hadn't had it for at least three no, years. No, yeah. no, I think... Um, it was a big deal. I think it's it's the first one for a while mm. anyway, so um, I'm not sure what's happening from then onwards anyway. Yeah, quite um, stuff. But that was really good. Um, on the weekend, so mm. that's what uh, we caught up to. Uh, did you see anything or um, during the week? On the weekend, I went to week? see um, and Juliet. <gasps> now this is the musical yes. that's um, been getting um, a lot of. Uh, a lot With of all the music reviews. in it. Yes, because if you're a Britney Spears fan and um, oh, some of right. that sort of stuff, there's plenty of that. And this is basically the imagined tale of what might have happened to Juliet had she not, um, sadly, spoiler alert, if you don't know what happened to poor Juliet in Romeo and <laughs> if she hadn't succumbed um, or she, if she hadn't taken her own life. Um, and it's, look, it's cute, it's fun, it's loud, it's bright, it's sassy. It's got the wonderful Casey Donovan in it. Yeah, she's it's got, great. It's got Rob Mills in it and Rob Mills, um, who's playing the role of William Shakespeare, um, Amy LaPalma, who's a wonderful actress, plays Anne Hathaway, his wife. It's good to see a bit of uh, attention being paid to Anne because you don't hear much about Anne. She seems to be left in the background. We just know that uh, she was older than um, William and she bore him some children, but he was away a lot in town or up in London and, um, of course, she was down at Stratford-upon-Avon. So, anyway, so she makes a, a big contribution to or making some suggestions to how he could rewrite the play uh, and this is how it all sort of takes place. Um, and uh, also might mention that uh, Rob Mills is with Rhonda Birchmore. He is uh, 
he and Rhonda Birchall are the monarchs of Moomba this year, apparently. Oh, I yes. didn't know that. So, so that is a, a good announcement. Everything happens. There's a lot happening in March, it isn't is, there? Exactly. Now, this is at the well, Regent Theatre. great. Yeah, and, and playing for a little while. But and it's, as I say, it's not for the purists. Um, if you're okay. a Shakespeare, if you're Shakespeare ba- yes, a bump and you, if you like it, you're Shakespeare straight, so to speak, um, this is not the, the show for you. But if you're uh, broad-minded and if you like a bit of fun and, of course, the, the whole sort of LG... Oh, you know, the whole um, you know, gender diversity and ethnic diversity. Exactly. All of that is all addressed. And yeah, so even it's been Pride Week or Pride Fortnight. Exactly. I think that we've, in case we had forgotten. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, there's all that mentioned as well. So anyway, it's good fun. And the kids, certainly, the young the young crowd, yeah, they were having a lot of fun with it. And yeah, so it's just, as I say, we've lots of lots of Shakespeare and going on at the moment, including the Australian Shakespeare Company. Um, Roman Juliet is about to finish up in the Botanical Gardens and also the Melbourne Shakespeare Company, The Tempest, oh. um, is on at Central Park and that's um, winding up soon too. So we're being saturated with Shakespeare and I'm glad to say that we are. I <laughs> know. A good thing. It's great to get out and about again, isn't it? Um, we have got our first guest coming up very soon. It's just after 4.30. So we got the wonderful and humorous uh, <laughs> Tanya Lacey coming up. Uh, let's just hear a little tune and we'll be back with our first guest. And I Miss You More Than Life. That's Ghost by Justin Bieber. A nice tune there for your Monday afternoon. You're with Nicole and Barbara on Big Life Conversation 3WBC 94.1 FM. And just before we go to our first guest, I want to have a little shout out to our wonderful colleague that we are missing dearly. Hello, Jacinta, if you're out there. Um, we miss you very much and hope to have you back on the panel very soon. Yes, you do. But for now, we have our wonderful guest with us. We have the wonderful Tanya Lacey, comedian, who is touring her new show, Everything's Coming Up Roses. Looking forward to hearing all about it. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you. Hi. Very welcome to have you uh, at very short notice to we were <laughs> Very lucky to um, get your uh, information and hear all about this wonderful show yes. that's about to play um, at Campari House on the 27th of March to the 9th of April. And you're yes. about to kick off, it's Barbara here, Tanya. You're about to kick off uh, in Adelaide tomorrow night, is that right? Yes, opening night tomorrow night. So, you know, um, I was actually just rehearsing. So. <laughs> You're taking a quick that. break, thank you. And how did it go? You, you opened in Cairns the other night, though. How was that? Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. It went so well. Couldn't have gone better. Is that your hometown it, now? It is at the moment, but um, hopefully I'll be heading back to Melbourne soon. Mm, fantastic. Um, yeah. And tell us this about the show. Um, now, everything's coming up roses. Is this supposed to be an ironic title? or? <laughs> I, th- I think it is kind of ironic because... Um, <laughs> You know, I reckon if I stood there for an hour banging on about how great my life is, I don't know how funny that would be. (laughs) It's not like a Facebook post or something, is it? Uh, (laughs) No. Well, I was looking at the picture and I was thinking, well, there's some upside down roses there. Correct. Exactly. That is the thing that most people don't pick up on. Uh, I loved that. I loved the the picture there. Um, So tell us a little bit about, the show what can we expect from that um well basically it's 
um, a little bit about, you know, the culture shock of moving back to Australia after being away for six years. You in Berlin, is that right? Yeah. How was Berlin? (laughs) Oh, it was amazing. Like, it was an amazing experience, like truly amazing. Um, Do you speak the language now? Um, I'm Bissian. Oh, just Not a little? Quite. Yes, I'm yeah, okay. yeah. Um, But my, husband and, my husband's German. Um, All right. There you go. But he's, he's not like other Germans. He's happy. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's married to you. That's why, of course. That's right. And our son was the reason we left because, um, well, we didn't want him to become a dickhead. So <laughs> we went to Germany where everyone's very sensible. But, uh, um, so you, did you spend lockdown there? So, Well, not yes. in lockdown there, oh probably. Oh, my God. How was yeah. that? Oh, my God. And before Melbourne took the record, Berlin was the most locked down city oh, in the world. Oh, is that so? Oh, I did not so, know that. And they were, I mean, Germans are so obedient, so they all yes. obeyed the rules. But I was going spare, you yeah. know, like <laughs> I was just going nuts. So oh. that's why we actually packed up and moved to Cairns. Oh, and what a nice place to come back to. What a contrast with the weather. Yes. (laughs) I know, exactly. That was the point. Yes. Um, As well as lockdown, we had the longest winter we'd had in the six years we'd been there. Oh, dear. And it was just freezing and dark and, yeah, we just... We just had to go. We Europe had to go. can do winter well, <laughs> can't it? <laughs> oh, it really can. Do. We whinge here occasionally about our winters mm. in Melbourne, but really. How many compare, can you? No. No. I mean, it is It is six months of the year, basically. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, you know, three months of, of summer and a little bit of autumn and spring. You do but, have those wonderful um, Christmas markers, and there are some compensations, aren't there? Oh, okay. So that is the thing that helps me get through everything. <laughs> the Christmas market uh, and Christmas in general because it's so beautiful. Yeah, and you've really Christmas. got that to look forward to. Sure. And then sort of everything shuts down on the 1st of January and you go, oh, my God, now I've got three months of this oh, grey sky and mm, darkness. Yes. But, yeah, the Christmas markets, I love them. But it's just, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you originally from Cairns or you're from Melbourne? No, no. Originally, I was born in Singapore, ah. but my parents are both from Queensland. My my dad's from a place called Hewenden and my mum's from a place called oh, Bell, but Hewenden. we ended up... Oh, yeah. All the fossils are there. Yes, correct. <laughs> Including my dad. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> no um, they ended up meeting in Toowoomba and that's where we lived until we went back to Singapore and then came to Melbourne when I was about eight. So oh, wow. I'm a little bit Queensland, but um, probably more Melbourne. You're yeah. sort of multicultural, I, I was going to I, say. And, and this, this show that you've, um, you've created, did you get the idea of this while you're actually in Berlin? or was this Well, out? yeah, because um, I started doing stand-up in Berlin because, I mean, I'd done funny shows before, but I'd never done strictly stand-up, you mm. know, like the discipline of... Set up, punchline, set up, punchline. And so I started trying out in Berlin and it was great because there was no pressure on me because no one knew (laughs) who I was, my history or anything. So, you know, I had the freedom to fail and that was awesome. And fail I did. Um, well, you know those, those stories about those stereotypes about Germans and a, and a lack of a sense of humour. Obviously, your husband's not like that, but I mean, does some of the stuff not translate that well. I mean, no, most Germans speak English, don't they? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, most people speak English, but um, yeah, no, it went really well. And like soon, I, you know, I started off, I wasn't that great, but then I just got better, and then suddenly I was headlining places, and oh, wow. it was really great experience. And 
you know, there I sort of started writing about the differences between Australia. And then when I got home and sort of had some distance, I could see the differences, you know, ah. between with the Germans. So, sure. you know, a, a, part, a lot of the shows about that, you know, like, and basically, you know, the one big biggest difference probably is that Germans are very risk averse people. They're very cautious, very yes. careful, and Australians just aren't. <laughs> um, yes, the opposites you're quite right. That I was, because um, I remember you back from sort of totally full frontal and Battle of the Sexes <laughs> and, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of different little bits and pieces there. Um, and uh, I remember you on our television screens there. So I was wondering where you were. Um, obviously, you had been overseas for a, a little bit of time there as well. But um, you've got such amazing background. And I was just reading here on your little bio about um, mm-hmm. that... Uh, the work that you did with Kylie Minogue and oh, choreo- Minogue, yeah. choreographic in choreographing, get the le- get the words out and <laughs> dancing with um, the good old locomotion film <laughs> clip way back yes. when. So I'm I'm go- I know I've got to go back and have a look at that one now. So um, yes. how wonderful! Look, it was a great time. I mean, it was just so much fun. And everyone always wants to hear the goss about oh what she was what was she like, <laughs> and, and what they want to hear, of course, is that she was horrible and. Yeah. And, you know, a diva. But, of course, she wasn't. She was, you know, she turned up on time. She said hello to everyone. She knew all her dance moves. She was amazing. And, you know, there's no there's no gossip to tell. What a shame. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of like, that's not rock and roll. No. Um, like our beautiful Olivia Newton-John, that, you know. Yeah. Um, we recently had the memorial for everyone was saying that there wasn't really a... A bad word to be said. Mm. So, yeah, um, there's no yeah, just lovely. People. There's no drama. Yeah. it was just um, professional, and I think the only person there who didn't think this was going to be successful was probably Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, she certainly went, you know, leaps and bounds from there. But what a great start, and what a, a great oh. little boppy tune at the time. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I really did my best. Her on her way. Um, <laughs> you did. It was all about her moves, Tanya, and your, yes, your yes. moves in particular. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, you've got to come see the show because there's a little bit of a oh. emotion, maybe. Okay, yeah. a bit of a reference to that. A little bit um, of coily. I was actually um, looking also at your bio too, uh, Tanya, and you, did you really want to start out life as a professional ballerina until injury put paid to that? Yeah, Tanya? well, I, I got into the Victorian College of the Arts and um, in my second year, a drunk teacher dropped me and I snapped bottom half of my legs and the top half and it was a really devastating accident because I mean it was just like I I mean I so wanted to do this and um it was it's just such an existential kind of angst that I got from this this accident because it was like why would I be given the talent to get into a school like yes. this and then have this accident and take it's all taken away I, mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't reconcile with it mm. um, and people sort of always say oh but look what you went on to do and I go yes that that is an answer that is you know like I wouldn't have probably done that if that accident hadn't have happened mm. however if you put music on I can tell you one thing 
I am a dancer before I am anything else. Oh, really? Okay. So there might yeah. be some moves on stage, some comedic moves perhaps, <laughs> or just some moves. But did you make a good recovery though? I mean, um, obviously you couldn't dance professionally, I, I gather, in terms of ballet, but ha- how's yeah. your health now? You're not getting arthritis and horrible things like that, are you? I oh, no, it's, it, I was told at 40 that I needed two knee replacements. Oh, Both my knees needed, and, but of course I was too young. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, the, the next... 18 years have been doctors basically just trying to save my legs to the point where I can, you know, age a bit more before I have the surgery because with a knee replacement, you know, they can only ever do one. Yes. And whereas a hip replacement, you can have as many as you want, but a knee replacement, you know, and it's got a finite kind of distance. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so, but it's really actually very bad at the moment. Oh, <laughs> last oh night, no, and you've been performing. Was, yeah, and I was just lying on the bed and my whole body was aching. Just, you know, my knees goes up my legs into my back and I was just like, I can't do this getting old thing. <laughs> <laughs> but this is part, is this fodder for your show? <laughs> yes, yeah, stand-up well, comedy about... done sitting down. <laughs> exactly. You don't laugh, you cry, or you don't cry, you laugh, or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do talk about ageing in the um, show because, well, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. And, and you, you know, your joints and the, the stiffness that you can get as, you know, just being a woman of a certain age, um, just in mm. general, before even having any knee issues, can be significant. Yeah, and I think also, like, I wish that... I just don't think the dancers and, and athletes talk enough about that kind of residual pain that you're, you're yes. left with when mm, you right. put your body through something that is entirely unnatural. Mm. Yeah. It's, a sort of, it's um, almost like a... Is it a code, cone or code of silence or something about that? I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, because yeah. even with footballers, you don't hear enough about, you know, well, what happens when you're 60? And, yes. you know, I'm two years off 60, and I, I'm thinking, God, look, I, I didn't expect that I would be in this much pain. Mm. But when you train at that level, you know, like you're doing three, four hours a day, yes. five days a week, rehearsals on weekends, you know, yes, there's going to be an effect, but when you're 18, you're it's like, yeah, I, well, I, it won't be that bad. <laughs> yes, surely. exactly. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're quite right. And um, just um, in terms of I think the stories that I have heard, but you don't you don't hear them very often about about professional ballet dancers and in terms of the lifestyle and uh, how a lot of them um, they have to keep their weight down. And it's a bit like being a jockey, I suppose. I mean, it's it's a you have to love it, but it is a very tough gig, and, it, and it, you can pay a price for it, can't you? Yeah, and I just don't think people talk about it enough. No, I no. agree with you totally there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're talking about it in your show, I gather. Is that right? Well, a bit of that? I'm talking about ageing and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, like I said, you know. <laughs> I think Beth Davis said uh, ageing is not for pussies. That's right, mm. exactly. Um, I again, hear you. <laughs> she would have known. <laughs> but this show also, um, are you, you're touring it around, and is it possible that you might be taking it to the Edinburgh Comedy Festival? Yes, it's so awesome. I got offered an awesome 7.30 time slot in a great venue. And um, so, yeah, I'm going. Wonderful. Have you ever been before as a a performer? I went when I was about, oh, I don't know, 30 maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I got long-listed for the Perrier Award at that point. Oh, great. um, Yeah, I'm... I'm really looking forward to going back, you know, as someone who's, you know, like I was so full of fear and angst and everything back then. And 
now I'm just like, I don't really care what people think. <laughs> you know what ageing has a positive effect is, is that right. we're very comfortable in our own skin. <laughs> Confidence. You, sort of go, you know what? Well, I've survived this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You think that I care about what you think? Oh, my God. Talk no. to the hand. <laughs> yeah. No, that does come. And yes. I do enjoy that freedom. Ah, that's wonderful. Well, we are very much looking forward to having you back in Melbourne and um, having a, a glimpse at the show. It sounds really wonderful. And um, I hope that the rehearsals are, are relatively pain-free for you coming coming up. <laughs> and the shows themselves. <laughs> I know. I'm just lying down right now and thinking, oh, this is so much better. I know. I was thinking about putting my nutrition hat on. I'm a, I'm a nutritionist yes, and I do a little awesome. segment on on food as medicine, but um, I'm sure you've already got the, the turmeric <laughs> and the glucosamine and chondroitin oh, and all those yep. omega-3s going already. <laughs> all those things. Yep. All of those things, yes. They're cool. all helpful. That's great, Tanya. And be, first, before we say goodbye, also I um, want to ask you, uh, how do you have the time and energy to be studying law? You're quite amazing. Um, well, you know, I don't, <laughs> but um, I needed a hobby. So I thought law degree, that'll be a good that, hobby. That'll be a, a, just a short, <laughs> yes, quick, easy, yeah, fun light like reading you know, to do there. A bit of light reading on a Sunday. Um, I don't know how I find the time, uh, but I find that when I have less time, I'm much more productive. Yeah. They say I that, don't you. they? Yes. Yeah. And so, um, so this is for interest or do you, you, um, you know, looking at a legal career? as opposed to an illegal career down the track, or is it just playing it by ear? I'm just playing it by ear. You know, it's nice to have something to fall back on, particularly when you're nearly 60. Um, Good for you. You've had to reinvent yourself a few times, haven't you? So I have. And, you know, like, of course, you know, I'm doing stand-up now, and then the other day, or a couple of months ago, Judith Lucy announces that she's not going to do stand-up anymore. And I was like, fantastic. I need 10 more to go. And I've cornered the market. Knock them all off. Yes. <laughs> Less competition. I may not need the law degree. That's right. You'll just shine through. Fantastic. Mm. Well, we wish you the very, very best. It sounds amazing. And um, good luck with it all. And so you're Thank on a Campari you so house from the 27th of March to the 9th of April. That's um, correct. Yeah. And is that one of those uh, funky little venues? Is it somewhere in um, around Hardware Lane? I'm trying to remember where it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's quite a well-known little lane, yeah, Hardware well. Lane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just off Burke Street and it's um, a gorgeous little place. Quite an intimate so, little venue. It, yes. Intimate <laughs> and just gorgeous. That's so, right for your show. Yeah. Perfect. And <laughs> I think people have a really good night. That's fantastic. So everything's coming up, Roses, uh, with your tongue firmly planted in your cheek, the title of that one. And, <laughs> uh, and it's 50 minutes um, uh, with uh, Adam Intervals, straight through together, and you recommend it's suitable for people aged uh, 15 and older. Is that right? Yes. My, my son has seen it a number of times, and he thinks it's funny. Uh, there you so... go. <laughs> I can bring the 15-year-old, but I won't bring the 11-year-old. <laughs> no, don't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks for having me. Um, Thanks a lot, Tanya. Dare we say break a leg or something, but anyway. Yeah. No, don't say that <laughs> we to won't, me. We won't say that. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Thanks See for, ya. Bye. Bye.
And that was Amazing by Rex Orange. And before that, we had Flowers by Miley Cyrus. You're on 3WBC Big Life Conversation on 94.1 FM with Nicole and Barbara. And we just had a wonderful conversation with Tanya Lacey, who's got a fantastic Melbourne Comedy <laughs> Festival show coming up. Everything's coming up roses, kind of <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. So we might hear all about some of her recent experiences in Germany, a little bit about Kylie by the sounds of it as well, (laughs) Um, and her travels and a little bit about ageing too. So uh, get on to that one if you're into the comedy festival. Not too far away now. Coming up very, very soon, we'll have our second guest, uh, Denise McCadsey, who'll be talking about parenting and building some resilience um, with parenting as you might have some kids at school, listen in. But before we do, um, speaking of comedy, I do have a little bit of light relief <laughs> from our friends at The Shovel. Um, and we do like The Shovel here, but it is not necessarily the opinions of the show here <laughs> from the satirical website. Uh, this one's called Sponsor a Disadvantaged Millionaire. <laughs> Robert has only three million in super. Um, his tax concessions. and his ta- This could mean Robert has to scale back his reno on his holiday house in Noosa or face the shame of having to postpone this week's booking at Rockpool. Um, number 72, uh, the 72-year-old upper middle class retiree should have ever have to feel like this um, without assistance <laughs> with from people like Robert um, will struggle to make repayments on their Porsche cane um, even <laughs> everyday basics like this year's ski trip to Europe could be out of reach uh, distressingly some days even putting food on the table can be a battle since the yachting accident his household staff <laughs> insist on doing it for him the effects of poverty are not just physical it can exact a mental toll too imagine being the only one at the golf club who can't afford Chateau Petrus Grand Cru or being exude- excluded from conversations about the upcoming Southby's auction because you just can't afford artwork it's demeaning this type of thing can scar you for days. Sadly, Robert is not alone. Right now, one in 835 Australians has only $3 million in super. That's 3,300 Australians with five, $541 million less in super than that guy who has $544 million. <laughs> That type of inequity should never exist in this country. Lucky you can help. For just $250,000 a month, you can help clear the obstacles for people like Robert and give them um, the resources they need to get back on their feet um, and on that tricky run in St. Moritz. Please dig deep for those that are more fortunate than you and change a life for the better. Sponsor a disadvantaged millionaire today. By the shovel.com.au. Our friends there, they are very entertaining. I thought they were a little bit entertaining on that <laughs> one. Um, so, yes, the superannuation is changing and not mm. everybody is very happy about that. No, but you're never going to please everybody. This is the whole point, isn't it, I guess? And uh, I must admit, I find the whole thing rather confusing and because it is constantly changing. That's the thing. It is. Um, yeah, it so. is very tricky mm. and needing to navigate that, uh, you know, obviously requires sometimes a paid 
person to support you with that. And that's not an easy task either because that's it right. can be a very expensive uh, task to get some financial planning advice. Exactly. Um, and with people living longer, I mean, the retirement age is sort of going up and uh, as well. And so that's people got to sort of factor that into. Um, people living longer possibly need to rely on super as well. It's a, you know, it's a, it is a, a kind of complex area. I think so. Now, I have a little nutrition segment for us today, um, and we haven't really done this for a little while. And this is all about looking after your liver. Now, this is quite topical in our household at the moment, (laughs) Um, but often it's related to those people that um, might exercise less and eat more comfort foods. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, often what we like to do in the warmer weather is trying to um, clean out one of our key organs of elimination um, as before we get to the very cold weather of winter, Mm. which we hope is a little while away. (laughs) But we do know that the liver is a very important key organ for the regulation of our energy, for body fat, for toxin elimination, for cellulite, um, to clear the skin and hormone balance. And it plays a very powerful role in how you look and feel every day. So I think people forget that. Um, And looking after your liver and um, having some regular detoxes, which I recommend as a nutritionist for certain people, um, enables liver regeneration and assists Mm. the process um, of those harmful liver loaders that are in our environment. We have more and more liver loaders than ever before because we have an increase in pollution and increased in processed foods. So there's so so much more going on there as well. And we do know that um, the liver is quite amazing in that you can take more than half of it away and it will regenerate. So it's the only organ in the body that will do that. Fantastic. Um, Doesn't mean you should abuse it though. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But even those that look after themselves very well or might have an illness and take medications, all of that does get processed through our liver. And even unwittingly not knowing that we're actually putting things in our body that... um, do play havoc on our liver, um, can actually upset it as well. Uh, Things like immunisations and the COVID virus impacts our liver as well as hepatitis Mm. in particular as well. Um, Alcohol, um, some of our minerals, it stores our iron and vitamin A. So if we're a little bit deficient, it might um, store that. Um, And it's really good at digesting and um, helping us with um, regulating our blood composition of proteins and carbohydrates as well. So if we're not getting enough of those or if we've got too much of those, it can all impact that. So some of the symptoms of when our liver might be a little bit suboptimal is that we can have some digestive upset, so bloating. A lot of these are general general observations as well, but bloating, reflux, heartburn, constipation and no appetite are Mm. very common ones um skin conditions such as rosacea or the skin and eyes that can turn a little bit yellowish i think most people know the the sort of yellowing of the skin and eyes um change in mood anxiety or depression um can be what you experience um perhaps elevated blood pressure dark urine Chronic fatigue can be bruising easily, excessive sweating, just to name a few. Mm. Um, so, as we said, the, the liver is really good at regenerating itself. Um, and when you get scar tissue is usually when you run into a bit of trouble because um, that's when cirrhosis happens. So if there's been 
um, some damage to cells they can recover but when it goes to a certain level when you have damage to healthy liver cells and you get scar tissue those liver cells don't regenerate oh, there okay. um, and so what do we do what do we do to, to support our liver so the key is having a really clean diet and by that I mean foods that are very close to the animal or the plant and haven't been processed um, is really important, especially those things that contain trans fats in our packaged goods oh, yes. and biscuits, um, refined sugars, convenience foods, luncheon meats, so mm. hams, those containing nitrates mm. and nitrites, which you and I don't eat as pescatarians here. <laughs> um, water is fantastic. Uh, water with some lemon juice in it, water with some apple cider vinegar is very good at, um, you know, I guess helping synthesize toxic materials out of the liver. The liver also likes um, drinks like green tea and dandelion tea. Oh, yes. Uh, and the dandelion tea, they're almost astringing, so they really like um, the poly polyphenols found in green tea mm -hmm. um, has been very helpful to prevent inflammation. And all your veggie juices. So the veggie juices oh, yes. that are pretty amazing. So getting into some green veggie juices, um, you can have carrots, Beetroot, bitter greens, especially loves the liver loves broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, mm. cabbage and kale. Good for getting into the cooler weather. Um, and they also have lots of vitamins, mineral and fibre as well. Um, and they also have a substance in them called glucorophane, um, which is supports an enzyme um, in the liver that helps uh, detoxify and get rid of carcinogens from the body as well. So pretty amazing things in our um, in our foods, in some of our green leafy foods. Um, the other things that are really great are some of the herbs and spices. So green oh, yeah. juices, lots of fluids, garlic, ginger, turmeric um, are amazing. And there's a herb called St. Mary's thistle, which can help slug a sluggish lymphatic system and cholesterol balance. And it stimulates bile production to help regenerate liver cells. And it's also an antioxidant. You can get mm. St. Mary's thistle in a supplement form. Oh, yeah. But having garlic and ginger in your diet, having turmeric in your diet um, is a fantastic way to support your liver. Um, so I've got a little juice that I'm going to mention at the end of our show that um, is really amazing, a, a red juice and a green veggie juice oh, um, that are really good for supporting your liver. Some of the other vitamins and minerals you may want to think about, and the liver does two sort of phases of detoxification of things in the body that it doesn't recognise. So it goes through the first phase and either um, combines it with a substance and removes it from the body. But if it can't do that, it goes recycles through the body again, which can cause damage. Um, but it needs certain vitamins and minerals through both of those processes, as, and they are called phase one and phase two detoxification processes. Mm -hmm. um, and so your B vitamins, B1 and B3, are very important in the first phase, as is iron, copper, magnesium and zinc. Uh, selenium also is fantastic oh, yes. there and selenium you can get in just two to three Brazil nuts a day will give you an amazing boost of antioxidants uh, and then the phase two we need the same um, B vitamins again um, along with B3 and B12 and folate um, and some amazing um, nutrients uh, such as calcium, glutamine, lysine carnitine which some of these are amino acids mm -hmm. um so very important nutrients but they're all in our foods and our food is is 
put together so it's the perfect package of all of those things together. So those particular uh, veggies that I mentioned before and herbs and spices contain a lot of these particular ingredients. So that's just some little tips if you've um, got a liver that's um, chugging along a little bit and you want to support it or you want to just cleanse your body out a little bit before we get into those cooler months, those warmer sort of stodgy food months, (laughs) um, it's a good time to do it when the weather is warmer versus when it is very cold. Much easier. So you're ready for that over winter. Thanks for that, Nicole. So that's a bit of loving your liver Mm -hmm. um, for this moment. So... um, what is the time? It is almost time for our next guest. It is. It is. Um, it is ten past five and we might go to a tune and then come back with the wonderful Denise McCatsey, who is the Feel Good Coach. Let's have a tune from Coldplay. And that's my universe, Coldplay and BTS. Uh, you're on Big Life Conversation. It is quarter past five o'clock and we have our second guest on the line the lovely Denise McCatsey from Feel Good Coach who's going to talk to us a little bit about feel good parenting. Welcome to the show Denise thanks for coming on board. Hi Nicole you're welcome how are you? Good very well I have Barbara here with me as well. Hi Denise. Hi Barbara. (laughs) We, um, We were chatting off air earlier and talking about some of the parenting challenges and what parents are finding challenging at the moment so we thought we might uh, have a little chat about that but tell us a little bit about um, feel-good parenting in general. Mm. Um, Yeah so feel-good parenting is really a branch of health coaching um, with a flair of epigenetics in in the mix um, which is a uncommon for a lot of people they're not quite sure what epigenetics is but it basically is a way that we can view our child and ourselves through the lens of our genes and our environment and we just sort of look at how all of that interplays into our relationships with our kids and who we are and how we show up in the world so it can sound complicated but it really just is a, a I guess a scientific way of saying how do we look at everything that's going on um, in an individual's life that influences how they interact with the world. Oh, it sounds really fascinating and I, and I think parenting is one of those things that you know doesn't come with a guidebook um, <laughs> and can be very challenging um, in itself without with, with all of the information that is also out there. What are you finding are some of those common parenting dilemmas or problems um, from what you've seen? Mm. It is definitely true that that we would be glad if there was a guidebook, but even if we had (laughs) one, you know, we'd kind of want one for every child because you could have a guidebook to give you some general strategies, but as, you know, people that have kids all know, every child is different. So, um, you know, the coming into the personalisation is really helpful in that regard, but there are definitely some common things that a lot of families do experience. And at this time of year, what I'm hearing is, you know, we've been back to school for a month or so, you know, a bit over, and especially for the preppies, just finding that new routine mm-hmm. of, um, you know, this is kind of a new thing. They've got to get up and go to school and get organised and lots of learnings and new friends and... Um, and I think, too, the, the parents' expectations of what might happen in that classroom and what's going to happen at school, whether they've had 
siblings previously go through and then maybe that experience kind of influences the expectation that comes now with the, the next child. Yeah, that, um, the number or, two child. Yeah, or um, if it's the first, first child that goes to school, maybe the parent is just remembering what it was like when they were at school and things have changed so much as, mm. as we know. Okay. So sometimes... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, well, that I imagine the preps have all had interrupted kinder experiences <laughs> given lockdowns oh, and those sorts of things as well. So not only have they possibly not seen siblings go to school and have a routine, mm. they might have seen their siblings not going to school and not having a routine. Yeah, yeah, and that can sometimes be a bit of a setup for like, oh, I'm not going to school, you know, mm. or um, oh, why do I have to go to school? You know, my sister didn't or, you know, she was fine doing this at home. Can I just do it at home? <laughs> you know, and all of that, just revisiting all of that. And, and now that we're past all of COVID, the likely scenario is that we're not going to have these lockdowns and we are in this more regular habit of having to go to school every day and for, for the preppies I think they're still having you know the Wednesday off with that transition yes but even other other levels that have had the years of COVID with the break in that it is still I'm hearing a lot of parents still are struggling with some kids just that anxiety yes. that comes mm. with all of that that they had through the uncertainty and a break in friendship groups and maybe new friend circles develop again so they've got to go through all of that again and um, you know these can kind of be red flags for parents yes. to just really I think, listen. I think that's a really big one. I've seen lots of refusal at all different sorts of levels of school so um, whether that might be you know, some of my younger son's friends in grade six in particular so in the, the mm. junior school but at the more I guess, senior end of junior school and just sort of a bit more of a laissez-faire attitude to schooling from some of the year 10 kids, which were, again, friends of my older son. So, you know, I'm seeing that that kind of, you know, balking at school and and perhaps not engaging as much. So what, what can parents do to really support all of that? How can they mm. help their kids you know, see the importance of that, I guess. Mm. I always think the first thing is to just get really clear about what the issue is mm. um, and just to be really calm and patient with it by asking lots of questions because sometimes parents, we can jump to conclusions assuming it could be one thing when we're not really sure. Yes. Um, and it's just better if we stay really open-minded and ask lots of questions. Um, to get a better understanding of what really is the problem here because if children are just refusing to go to school, it's a sign that something's not right. Mm. You know, they should want to go to school and enjoy that. So if it's not, what what need are they not getting met, you know, yes. and what what's causing that? It's a, usually an emotion that's going to cause that behaviour. So yes. what what thing is stirring up them feeling not comfortable or not safe or not accepted or validated or happy at school? Yes. And then, so we definitely don't want to drive more of that at home with like, no, you'll be fine, just go, mm. it'll be fine. You know, we kind of just want to just go, oh, yeah, I really understand that that might be frustrating for you or uncomfortable for you. Let's talk about that. Yes. Um, and just 
validate that they do feel, like they're not making it up, they do feel a certain way. So, you know, just validate that we understand that they're feeling that way and can we help them um, feel better about it. So it could and be also, a bullying issue uh, with, with amongst staff or amongst other students potentially, couldn't it, I guess? Yeah, well, you just never know. It, mm, it might not even be at the school. Yeah. It might be on the bus going to yes, school. Yes, that's true. Or, um, you know, it might be just a random comment. And humans are negatively biased. So we're going to take it, oh, it's me, I've done something wrong, and one little negative blows up. Mm. So, you know, they might say they've had the worst day ever. Yes, and it might have been one I've heard thing. that. <laughs> I've had yeah. the worst day ever, and I'm like, really? I can think of yeah. many more worse days ever than that. You yeah, know? but at the time it was really the worst thing it that was. was happening to them. Yes. And it was maybe just one minute or a couple of minutes of the day, but we do tend to really notice the mm. negative and we exaggerate it. So, yes. you know, we just got to keep things in perspective for them. But also give them the tools that they are resourceful enough to find the solution. Like we can have the answer in our brain, but just hold on. I, you know, we just hold on until they maybe come up with a suggestion and just say, um, you know, if your friend was experiencing this problem or, or yourself, you know, what do you think might be a possible solution to it? And then um, just stay quiet yes. and wait because the quiet, you know, they need thinking time. So mm. they're kind of just thinking and processing. And if they can come up with a solution, it, they can build their own self-esteem and confidence that they actually yeah. have the resources inside them to yeah. find a solution. No, I think that's a really important one, is it, isn't it? I mean, you've mentioned there in the first instances about sometimes you can sort of jump in there. I'm, I'm very good at asking you know, lots of questions, but sometimes that can be very overwhelming as well. So just sort of, you know, how is everything? Um, what's the bus like, as you were saying there? What's happening at school and who are you playing with? Or, you know, just to try and fish for some of those things, but not to overburden that. And as you said mm. there, keep uh, the conversation open-minded. And when you hear it, I think that sometimes parents will jump to try and solve the, you know, solve mm. the problem. So rather validate the emotion. So I think that mm. I really love how you've said there, you know, if there's a feeling attached to that, what is that? And, and, and to, to sort of say, yeah, that, that sounds like that would be really tough. You know, what can we do about it? And I guess the other part of that is the tools that you were saying there, sort of getting, um, rather than getting into solution mode, sort of having that quiet sort of thinking time where you start to ask them, you know, what what could they do about it, what would make them feel better versus, mm. again, you stepping in and, and wanting to sort of rescue, I guess, um, mm. which I imagine is a very common thing to want to do when you're, you know, you think your kids might be suffering, but just to sort of have that restraint and sit back. Uh, mm. to allow that thinking time because they they are quite resourceful. You know, we have to appreciate that kids are, re are resourceful and might just need a, some, some space to think through that. Yeah, and I think it's, it was such a long time since we were their age that they probably have a solution that we don't even think about because it's not really in our world. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, you know, and the generational so generational gaps. Yeah, or if if you feel that you're the kind of parent that wants to know that you can provide an answer for your child, or, or that your child looks up to you for answers, um, I would say something like, "I've got a few ideas about that, 
but I'd love to hear what you think first so mm-hmm. that they know that you have an answer, um, not that you've got no idea and you're just asking them to come up with the answer because then they <laughs> yes. can just go, well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Yes, or, yes. Um, you know, so just by telling them, look, I've got some ideas. I could help you. I was your age once, but I'd love to hear what, what you think about that, you know, and then come to some agreement together about how you might tackle you know, whatever, whatever the issue is. Together. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. as you mentioned there, that that's so important for building the self-esteem, but also resilience, I imagine, is that that, that kind of conversation is, is more a, a growth mindset kind of conversation versus, you know, here's the answer and someone then always needing to be given the answer and not being able to resolve something for themselves. Mm, yeah, completely true. I mean, that's the big you know, magic key of resilience. We're always going to come across situations where we're out of our depth a little bit. But if we know that we can find an answer somewhere, that we've got the resourcefulness or the capacity to find a solution when we don't have one, that's what makes kids really resilient and, um, you know, gives them the confidence that they can do hard things and be okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Mm. So even just changing how we communicate by the sounds of it is a really important tool for us managing these these situations. So, you know, as we were saying, you know, what, what do we do when they're, they've got, they're, they're not going to school is find out, you know, what, what is that, the core. And, and I, I mentioned mm. that's probably the hardest part is sometimes nutting through what that might be and having, providing a safe comfortable environment where they can have those conversations with you in the first place, isn't it? Mm, yeah, for sure. And yeah. then there's obviously strategies around that, how you might negotiate getting to go to school and just it would be very small steps, you know, not just going to say, right, well, we're going tomorrow and you're just going to go. <laughs> you yeah. know, even if you can't get to the root cause, you might then just suggest, all right, what's one thing we could possibly do tomorrow to just move you towards going to school? Maybe you don't go to school. Maybe you just get up and get dressed and stay home in your school uniform. And whilst that can be maybe frustrating for parents who have other commitments and need to be elsewhere, Mm. sometimes the time investment in just getting on top of your child's issues, their anxiety or whatever it is that's stopping them from wanting to go to school is worth the investment because then you know that they're going to eventually go to school and be happier and, um, you know, they've got the whole future ahead of them if you can kind of reframe something that's a little bit of a pickle for a short time yes so small steps yeah small steps and and nip it in the bud and and to not sort of push the the solution in one big hit but it could be a phased solution so you Mm. know just that that one little step at a time just getting dressed getting up um maybe even doing some work from home you know and then what what that might look like in going Mm. to school as well yeah yeah Yeah. what are some of the other problems that you're seeing a little bit more I mean I think that sort of you know not wanting to go to school and I know the preppies in particular have a you know that there's also I imagine an age and a maturity um, Mm. associated with that whereas the others there might be something else going going on behind what else are you seeing as some of the common themes in in parenting Mm. yeah I guess the other things that I'm hearing a lot from parents is, you know, screens is always a big um, touch point of parents negotiating that and arguments at dinner time with screen use and getting off screens and all of that. 
and just probably related to that is the attention. Um, we don't tend to focus and sit on one thing for a long time and yes. this kind of attention deficit mm. almost is feeding into that. So while it might not be completely diagnostic, um, you know, to read a book, to sit and read a book for half an hour, <laughs> you know, kids are very no. used to being distracted. Like My they can't sit still for five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because the, whatever games, whilst they might be learning for other things and neurological development in brain and strategies and all of that, there's definitely pros for screen use. But the way that we get rewarded, like the dopamine hit and from screens, um, it's designed to just keep feeding those hits all the time. Yes, so instant gratification. When, Addictive, yes, it is, isn't it? Which is a problem because, you know, I remember just waiting for Christmas for a present. <laughs> you know, I wasn't getting stuff through the year. We had to just wait. Yes. And now things just happen immediately. If, you know, someone's not answering your message straight away. It's like it's the end of the world. You want to know yes. right now. Um, you know, you can't just leave a message for someone. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's like we just need this constant um, attention in all sorts of things and it's not for the one thing for a long time. So I just see that kids get bored really quickly, that they want something new to just be exciting all the time um, and the boring stuff is, you know, really boring and they can't just yeah, be good. You they can't, can't just still. Sit. Yeah, and you wonder why there's so much, you know, uh, some of these behavioural issues are not helped, I'm sure, by mm. by these um, screens. I'm still negotiating that with my kids and they think they've got some of the lowest screen time <laughs> ever, you know, because, yeah. of course, the comparison <laughs> is with everybody else and they yeah. can just get on whenever. And I said, well, that's them and mm. this is us. Um, and, you know, and every time that... that, that we, as in I'm saying we, as in my husband and I are occupied, all of a sudden it goes quiet and where is everybody? And you know <laughs> yeah. exactly where they They've are. Escaped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think I, I read somewhere that for a grade six, uh, they should have two hours a week screen mm. time. Now that's including television, you know, so my, my mine will say, oh no, I'm not on the iPad, I'm just watching TV now. <laughs> or yeah. I'm just watching YouTube. That's not a game. <laughs> and I said, mm. it's it's screen. You know, it's it's about that. And he can't sit and watch a um, television program, he'll fall asleep. But uh, he can watch YouTube clips, but it's just, he won't watch it all. It's just like flick, 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 mm. flick, yeah. flick, flick. And it's yes. So disturbing to watch, mm. as in it's disturbing for me to watch because I'm not used to it. But um, mm. obviously very entertaining for him. Yeah. And then, then we wonder why he won't sit down and read a book. And it's, mm. it's there's a clear line for me mm. that that's you know okay. We need to to be able to do that. And we need to train our brain again. So I, mm. I'm I'm keen to hear what some of your tips might be just to hypothetically take my <laughs> not so hypothetical situation. Mm. Um, in how you move away from that and how you manage that as a parent given, you know, there's all these quotas on times. So I guess it's yeah. finding what works for you. Yeah, it is really, it is a challenge because even the screen use at school, so a lot of schools are using screens during school time. Yes. Yeah, so that's even iPad. adding more, yep. more I use to screen. So, 
you know, my encouragement would be to what other interests do they have? And if they're sporting interests, well, that's fantastic, yes. you know, because well, you can get that. them outside. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, uh, and there's so many other things with sports apart from the outdoors and breathing fresh air and movement, but the, you know, connection with the team members and, com- you know, community sports, yes. all of that. So, yes. you know, sports is good. It is a life balance. So if mm. someone's on screens and you're sitting, you know, what else could you do to balance? what they're doing with their mind and their body. Mm. And usually if they're sitting, the balance is the opposite. So how do we get them moving? So yes. usually the, the sport is the good go-to for that. Yes. But there are some children that don't love sport, mm. but there would be other things that they would be able to be just as creative in yes. um, outdoors. You know, they it might goes join out. an art yes. club or art you know, music, a, a drawing. singing. Yeah, yeah, music, exactly. all of that. Cooking, yeah, yes, yeah. music, singing, even cooking, dancing. You know, dancing. like that's very creative. Yes, it's or not even doing a dance program on your technology. If you were mm-hmm. always sitting, I guess that could be a first step change up as well, couldn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think it's a really tricky one and one that parents are navigating for the first time. You know, it's it's not one that we go, what did our parents do? It's like, well, mm, we can't yeah. even do that now. It's, yeah, it's uh, a completely new thing, although, mm. you know, I'm sure they can see the, the writing on the wall around that too. Mm. Yeah, It just will be really interesting, you know, to just jump into the future five, even five years or, you know, we're sort of seeing it now, but um, it's kind of the detriment that, is going to happen with all this sitting and it's not necessarily screen news per se but what we're doing with our bodies because we're on screen yes um, and well it is a little bit screens as well with our eye health but um because we don't really have that solid data we can hypothesize hypothesize that it's not going to be fantastic but Mm. um you know unless we've got that hard science People generally won't change that much. It was the same with smoking. We knew it was bad. But until we had the evidence, which was, you know, too late, (laughs) 20 years too late. Yeah. Yeah, So I I just think just look at your child's behaviour and if you feel something's not right, probably something isn't. You know, if there's not a balanced lifestyle, if you know that they're sitting too much or you know, they're out, they're doing too much sport, you know, just pull it in, right? Like find the balance that works everyone's happy, your child is thriving and having good communication, good relationships with them and then you you probably know you're on the right track yes. if everything feels good. Yeah. Well, I, we have a no tech Sunday as well. So, um, and, you know, on the, on the Saturday at 12 o'clock, the... I just pulled the Wi-Fi out of the wall because I think I played, I played a song. I played "Time to Say Goodbye," except I don't think they got it because it was in Italian. Um, but um, they didn't get it. It's like, why is this music coming through the speakers? What are you doing, Mum? And I said, it's time to turn off the tech. No, they kept going. So I just turned the mm. Wi-Fi off. All of a sudden, <laughs> people went outside and came. Yeah. people came out of rooms and crickets started happening in the backyard. Yeah. And I just went. Gee, it's interesting what happens when I turn the Wi-Fi off in this house. Um, you know, sometimes it has a bit of, you know, there's a, a, a quite a rebuke that I get. Pushback, but but we've set we've set boundaries, and they've mm. I've said we and we did a family meeting to do that um, because we wanted to make sure that you know they had you know input as to how much yes, they think yes. is a good thing mm. and when is a good thing. And I said, well, let's let's try it as this, and if if everything goes well, then maybe we could 
increase the tech time. Mm. Um, and of course, all of a sudden we had these angelic children <laughs> uh, who were doing their homework and things like that. And, and not angelic children, but you know, they, they were definitely behaving well differently. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, we're behaving well. So can we have more tech time? And I'm like, hmm, think of it from my, sh my, my side of it. Um, all of a sudden you're behaving so beautifully and you want more tech time you know can you see the correlation here so um yes I can well, imagine. maybe you could say the reason that you're behaving so well is because you haven't had a lot of tech time yeah because you know not because you want it but yes. because it puts you in a better mood yes <laughs> yes well, I think that's the that's the key I need to to emphasize that a little bit more yeah and the, the schools are actually taking um, a role in this too aren't they some of the schools like you, ch you check your phone in when you when you come to school I believe yes. that's the, the case um, yeah. and um, yeah and I, even back in my day in the dark ages my parents tried to control us with um, uh, regarding watching TV. And first of all, it was like, oh, you do your homework, then you watch TV. Yes. Then they got yes. wise to the fact that, hang on, you're getting your homework done very quickly these days. You'll watch TV on a Friday night of the weekends. And anyway, and this was a special occasion. And that's what we do. It's Friday <laughs> yeah. night mm. and Saturday morning is, mm. is tech time and that's the main tech time. Having said that, they still do their homework on screens and those sorts of things yeah, as right. well. But I think the boundaries are super important to negotiate with them in particular. Um, and it's just a, a really tricky one, I think. Uh, yeah, in collaboration with them, you know, come to a family agreement. Yes. That's always great so that they feel that they're involved yeah. and they've got they've made some of the decision as well. It's sure. not against them, but they're part of it. Yeah. And they can sort of see why. They realise, yeah, it probably is a good idea if we limit this. Yeah. Yeah. And they need to get more buy in if they're kind of part of the that agreement. Part so. of the solution. They may not like mm. it, but mm. if they've been part of it, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. I, just, I just said, you know, let's trial it and see how we go and that was, you know, a couple of years ago now. So <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah. It it's it's good but it still gets that it doesn't stop the boundaries being pressed, I have to say. You know, I think well, that's the kids' role. They're going, they're going to, yeah. They <laughs> want to test the boundaries. Yeah. You just have to be firm in, in where they lie. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it just means a little bit of work on our behalf. That's really helpful, though, um, Denise, having a look at that and just, you know, framing things a little bit differently, spending the time to to look at what the issue is, asking them for some of those solutions and, and having their tools, you know, use their yeah. tools and their or expand their toolkit to, to be able to do that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, yes, there's always the boundary setting around the tech as well. I think that's super, super important and finding your your little negotiating points and just notice behavioural differences mm. and do it early when they're little I say now for those people who've got little children mm. because uh, the older they get and you were talking about schools there just a moment ago Barbara you know all through junior school and middle school yes they have to lock their phones away my son's just hit senior school and it, there's no putting away phones oh, really? so it's like oh you've clicked over into senior school mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's you are responsible and it's like yeah. hmm mm. <laughs> let's see how that goes uh <laughs> not so much <laughs> uh but that's really helpful i think something for us to all think about as we're back at school and um and for some feel-good parenting um so denise if people want to get a little bit more information or a bit of support um how can they get in contact with you Yes, um, my f website is an easy uh, point of contact, just my name, um, or Instagram. 
social, all the socials, you really just your... my name and they'll find that. Great, and we've got that on our Facebook page too. So if people yeah. want to, they can go to the Big Life Conversation Facebook page um, and check it out there as well. Wonderful. Thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks, That's been nice. great. Pleasure. Speak to you again thank soon. You. Take care. Okay, thanks, Bye. thanks guys. Bye. Bye. And you're back on Big Life Conversation, 94.1 FM, 3WBC, and you're with Nicole and Barbara. And we are missing our co-host, Jacinta, for a little while. I hope to have her back very soon with us. Um, Before that, we actually had uh, Following the Sun by Super High, and uh, we spoke with Denise McCatsey, feel-good coach, uh, about some parenting tips. So uh, she does a lot of work with parents in helping the relationship with their kids to be at their best. And we spoke about some of those kids that might not be keen on getting to school and also (laughs) tech time and some of the things that we can do around that. Uh, So some nice tips there from Denise. And if you'd like to find out more, check out our Facebook page uh, where she is listed there as well. Uh, It is uh, 12 minutes to 6 o'clock. I will have the 6 o'clock news shortly coming up. Um, and uh, and then on to the next program. Um, but we've got a few little entertainment bits and pieces. Have we, uh, Barbara, coming we up? Have, Nicole. I just want to remind people that we're talking about all these festivals on the way. Um, the Comedy Festival, of course, starting up um, on the uh, 29th of March um, and going through to the 23rd of April. Um, and the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show is also back. Um, that's coming up on um, starting on the same day, actually, as the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Uh, at down the exhibition buildings, of course, um, 29th of March, run through to the 2nd of April. So this is just um, uh, pre-Easter, I guess, for the Flower and Garden Show. And, oh, uh, nice. We, let's hope the weather will be kind. Yes, so it, beautiful there. Yes, it is, it is delightful. It's nice to have it back. I think it was the first time I was back last year after quite a break. Yes. Um, also, I want to remind people, for you Francophiles out there, that the Melbourne um, uh, French Film Festival is Ooh. up and running as of the 8th. Uh, that's this Wednesday, International Women's Day. And oh, lots of, of activities course. going on for that as well. You can check out um, uh, activities online. Um, but there are lots of festival highlights. And this sounds like an interesting one for the um, the gourmets and the uh, chefs amongst us. Sugar and Stars, um, a la Belle Etoile, based on champion pastry chef Yazid uh, Ikemrahem's autobiography. Comes an inspiring story of hope, great pastry and triumph against all odds. That's a great name. It is. Sugar <laughs> and Stars is sprinkled with heart and prepared with a whole lot of soul. So that's just one of them that um, might appeal. But uh, as I said, that's uh, you, I think you'll find a lot of the um, the screenings at um, the Palace Cinema website as oh, well. We love that, we and the do. Palace Cinema not far from here in exactly. Bowen. That's right, one of one of several. Um, yeah, so that's something uh, else to look forward to. And I don't know about you, Nicole, but. Um, uh, did you ever get to see Cruel Intentions? I did. Yes, you did. And I and love it. You did last year and it's yes. back. It's yes. back. That's right. You did see it. Um, it's back again. Uh, I think another week to go at the Athenaeum due to popular demand. Um, and, uh, yes, it's, uh, of course, loosely based on um, uh, Les Liaisons Dangereux, speaking of um, the f- things French, but uh, Dangerous Liaisons. But, yeah, it's um, an interesting, well, a bit of a morality tale, I think. Uh, about uh, <laughs> certain appalling behaviour amongst uh, the, the very uh, bad behaviour exactly amongst some young college kids I guess uh, school kids college kids uh, the uh, 
the um, the, the time and the place, of course, has been changed from the French Imperial Court. But That's uh, right. Yes, uh, some great music, um, but as I say, some outrageous and appalling behaviour. I did read one review saying that maybe it was a bit close to the bone for this particular reviewer who found that a lot of the... Um, a lot of the um, morality or lack of morality, very disturbing and distressing and upsetting in terms of um, nasty um, nasty acts of uh, vengeance against various people. But I'm thinking, well, the, it is it's actually supposed to be not condoning this kind of behaviour. I think that's, no. that is the message of the... And people get their comeuppance, as you might say. Yes, yes. yes. But that's on the Athenaeum and I think another week to go and that's... Um, that's uh, Good fun as well. And also on the smaller screen, now we're speaking of screens, are you a fan of the Back in Time um, documentaries? You know, the, uh, they've got another one, Back in Time to the Corner Shop, coming oh, up. Oh, I have, have not. That I have not yes. heard that one. It's Tuesday, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. There's no stopping the time travel of Annabelle Crabbe and the Ferone family oh. who experienced 1990 orders as shop owners. I did so that watch sounds, that. Yes. I did watch that. I've seen that. a clip of that, a pro- yes. promo. But uh, anyway, so it's a follow up to Back in Time for Dinner and all that sort of stuff. And uh, they're, they're quite a phantogenic and pleasant family um, to uh, to deal with, I think, and to, they come across so well, quite, quite natural. So that's, that, that will be a bit of fun. That is um, fun, and I love that because I remember the World War ones that were fantastic. Yes, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's quite ingenious. to take some family members away as well and, yes, and lock them up in some exactly. circumstances. It's quite an ingenious format. So I don't know where well, it's, it's uh, the sky's the limit with this sort of idea. But anyway, so that's the, the, latest, the latest one coming up. And also one that I think that um, could be uh, intriguing for another reason um, this is called um, uh, swapping swaps. Have you heard about this swaps? About the, the, the no. swap. It's on SBS. Starting a new series starting on Wednesday. It's not a wife swap one. Where no, they do it's that. not. Not that. Uh, quite different. Than that. The term social experiment is applied to any reality show that pushes people beyond their comfort zones. According to the blue, this high school student exchange program initiated by the Islamic College of Brisbane head Ali Kadri is the real deal. And as uh, curious students from Catholic and state schools learn about Islam. And their um, equally curious Muslim counterparts gain insight into life and school outside their oh, culture. I like that. Mm, I like that yes. kind of rather than I'm going overseas and That's doing right. a swapsy to something very uh, equally as bourgeois. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's happening at home? Exactly. But I like the cultural exchange here as well. Mm. I've um, just recently started to have a little look at. Um, a documentary on Selena Gomez. Oh, yes. Uh, only because I was watching Only Murders in the Building, which oh, yes. I love, Steve Martin, and I watched the first series right through, and I believe there's another series um, coming up um, with Meryl Streep in it as well. But I didn't really know much about her, and, um, yeah, the documentary was quite fascinating, and, you know, she's battling uh, mental health and lupus and kidney oh, transplants and all sorts of things, but um, not necessarily a happy story, but she's doing well now, um, and she's obviously doing more and turning her... Um, talents to acting which is mm. um i think she was always doing acting and singing but um yes. the big shows were certainly exhausting for her so um she's really quite great in uh, only murders in the building mm. um that's a fantastic one if you haven't checked that out Martin check it Martin out Short, yes. yes i'm also being watched being what i have also been watching shrinking which is oh, yes. by the same makers as ted lasso and harrison ford, um, harrison ford is amazing in that um and the Ted Lasso one, I think, starting on the 15th of March. Okay. So I'm looking forward to seeing the third series of Ted Lasso. The f- some nice feel-good series. So that'll be good. Fantastic. And also, before we, just before we wind up, um, a fascinating exhibition which I want to get to see, the Monash Gallery of Art, down in Ferntree Gully Road in Wheelers Hill. 
Um, and this is called 100 Faces. And it runs, it's just open on Saturday. It's running through the 28th of May. And through the lenses of over 50 artists, 100 Faces brings together 100 works drawn from three photographic collections to explore the portrait in its many forms, as well as what it means to collect portraiture both publicly and privately. So the exhibition draws from two private Melbourne collections belonging to the Harris and the Rosenthal families. And uh, works from these collections have been placed in conversation with uh, the significant public collection to reveal a rich diversity of faces from celebrities and cultural figures to anonymous individuals caught unwares on the street. And so it, it um, actually the show features mm. works by major Australian and international artists and covers a huge time span from the 1860s um, up until today and features a whole lot of different um, ranges of styles and approaches. Um, and some of the well-known photographers include people like Olive Cotton, Paul Cox, Max Dupin, Rennie Ellis, um, and uh, Bill Henson, and the list goes on and on. Jacques-Henri Latigue, I remember studying when I was uh, doing media many years ago <sighs> at college. The and wonderful you speak French the French so well. <laughs> I, I do my best. But, uh, anyway, so that's running, um, as I say, until uh, the 28th of May, and gallery hours at... Uh, Tuesday to Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 4. It's, it's closed on public holidays, but uh, that's one for the photography buffs. That sounds wonderful. And uh, we've got about three minutes to go, but yes. I just wanted to mention the Whitehorse Performing Arts, which have a wonderful brochure here mm. in uh, the Whitehorse Town Hall here. And this one coming up on the 25th of March is a musical one, Viva Italia. Oh, Life is beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a virtuosi instrumentalist Jane Rutter and Giuseppe Zangari celebrate the music of Italy with classic masterpieces, dances and songs by Vivaldi, uh, Giuliani, Pan uh, Pangani, Nini, Panganini, yes. Panganini, thank you, um, plus many, many more, um, and they're quite internationally acclaimed. Um, so they um, are getting along to the wonderful White Horse Performing arts, and you can see them at Venue One Community Blackburn. Interesting. She's a famous flautist, of course, Jane Rutter. She is mm. flautist. So I was going to say, how, how do we actually say that? Because you're not a flutist, you're a flautist, <laughs> aren't you? Flautist, that's right. Um, a flawless flautist. That's right. <laughs> and I just had one little thing to add yes. um, is that we talked about a recipe. Oh, yeah. um, before we were talking about the liver. And um, so I have a red juice recipe and I can put these up on our Facebook page. Um, but this one is six stalks of celery, a beetroot, a knob of ginger, half a lemon, a sprig of coriander and some ice cubes for a beautiful liver cleansing red juice. Mm. And for a green juice, um, four kale leaves, one cucumber, two celery stalks and a knob of ginger and half a lemon. They both have those. Two slices of pineapple and some ice cubes and you get a really wonderful fresh juice that it tastes great but it's got lots of veggies in it mm. as well. Uh, good for your liver cleansing. Superb. Now, Nicole, mm. we'll be back next week with a couple of mystery guests. Mystery guests, we will indeed. On, we'll be here um, on uh, Labor Day, working hard, um, but enjoying ourselves. And um, also don't forget, um, just a quick reminder that um, the Melbourne... Um, Melbourne Fashion Festival is on at the moment up until the 13th of March as well, so check out websites Ooh, for that's all those right. exciting things for you fashionistas and fashionistos. I did hear that and mm -hmm. see that too. So um, for us, for the first show in March, um, we will say goodbye and we will see you next week on the long weekend. Take care, everyone. Ciao. Happy autumn. Chappy, yes, happy autumn.